Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad to have you with us as we talk about financial matters, kicking off first Saturday of the year. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Is that right? Well, yeah, that was the first. Was on, yeah, it is the first Saturday. Yes, year. it is the first. <laughs> we are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays helping people like yourself and broadcast on the weekends, being your financial advisor on the air or on the podcast, whatever you're... However you listen, however you consume your media. Yep. And it's always good first time of year when you're... Most people do it. Well, I always do. I do. A look at my finances. <laughs> and... Um, Yes, it's a good time of year to do it. And actually, Make sure this you're back on track. This year, I am meeting. Uh, I have four children, and I am meeting with each one of them in the next two weeks individually to uh, go over their finances with them. So, this you reached out to them and said, "Can I, Dad, help you?" Over Christmas, we had a conversation, and um, I said, "You know, if you guys want, um, I'm willing to." Um, sit down with each one of you and look at the portfolios and some tax planning. And and I did a little of that with my oldest daughter um, this week. She reached out on that though. Wants to figure out how to help, uh, how she can start saving more. Perfect. Actually saving (laughs) more. (laughs) She's disciplined enough to have money set aside. She has to pay quarterly taxes because she's self-employed. So she's disciplined enough to set aside a portion of all her revenue to pay the taxes, but she's... So the important thing isn't that you know, we're, as long we're, as our kids are taken care. Of. Well, that, no, but the important <laughs> thing is to actually have the conversation with with your children. To to have that, whether you go into in depth planning, haven't they heard it all? Like yeah. of the four of your kids, how many of are that interested in hearing what you have to say? You don't have to name out which ones, but we're, they're all different, right? Yeah, two of them. Okay, right. It's not fifty percent. They're going to be fine regardless. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, but the point for the listeners is, uh, if you have adult children, uh, it's okay to have conversations regarding money, and 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 like discipline around money, uh, like putting money into your four hundred one k, and whether you're look at the tax bracket, whether you should be doing a Roth 401k or... Yeah, all that good and, stuff. And I had two children that have changed jobs and I had the conversation. I said, you know, you've got these monies that your old employers, you need to, um, you need to actually move it into an IRA. And then they're like, why? Why would I move it into an IRA? Why don't I just leave it there? That's and funny. as I described it, I said, in your career, they're all in their early 20s. Uh, once in the mid, they'll have lots of a different employers. Odds are, odds are, and I said you've got depending to, on the field, you've got to think of your IRA as kind of a holding basket that has much more, in most cir- circumstances, has a much larger menu of investments than your four hundred one k does. And as you go through your career, when you leave one job, you roll it into that IRA and you manage that IRA, and you'll start another job and. And it's just a quirk of our tax code that your employer is actually responsible for your retirement plan. And if people don't 
roll those over and leave them out there, they tend to be neglected and not allocated properly. Or they get moved to a, a firm uh, where they'll open it up an IRA for you. If it's a small balance. Yeah. If it's a small balance. And the charges on those particularly small balances are uh, um, egregious or can be egregious. Well, And also, beginning of the year, Pat, um, if, for those that are still working in the workplace, increases on the 401k contributions – Sometimes your employer will do those automatically for you, but oftentimes you have to. So you, if you're contributing the maximum, which I think less than 15% of Americans do, but if you are, you can bump that up again this year. And if you're not, mm-hmm. see if you can. Yeah, bump it up some. Yeah, see if you can bump it up by 2 and or I 3%. Tell you, the market's finished the year on a tear, right? Crazy. <laughs> and the dispersion was not equal. So they're like large cap growth stocks did phenomenally well. Tech stocks did phenomenally well. Uh, small cap stocks did relatively poorly, although still positive small cap and small and, and value stocks were clearly out of favor last year. Uh, yeah. And so you need to, it's a, if you don't rebalance, you end up being overweighted in those areas and year to date in 2024, the ones that were the leaders last year have, Thus far, anyway. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a little early. Yeah, and I'm tired of reading the articles. So, so goes uh, January, goes the year. You know, like, come on. I um, There's so many different predictions of what's going to happen. It's hilarious. I don't even read them. What's the point? <laughs> I mean, if you think there's any validity to them, look at the two years ago or three years ago or last year's January's or predictions. Or look at the multiple opinions about the same. Come on. Yes. Even the general consensus... If you looked at the general consensus a year ago, Evan said there was going to be a recession in 23. Yes. There will be another recession. It, when? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, in all the political turmoil throughout the year of 2023, look at the markets. I mean, global. Oh, yeah. Global. Not, I mean, forget about the U.S. political turmoil. Globally. The global turmoil. Oh, it's crazy. But global markets did not do nearly as well. And like emerging markets were about flat last year. And of course, China was a. I was thinking about that, Scott. I was thinking about that um, earlier this week about in a portfolio, how how much global do you actually really need because of the exposure? I mean, that's all, why we... The big companies are all global companies. <laughs> right? The biggest company is Apple. If that's not a global company, show me. I mean, I don't know what is. Yes. Yeah. The oil companies. I wonder what percentage of Apple's revenue comes from the U.S. Minority. I don't know. I don't really care, frankly. Yes. But it's... Yeah. Or even... even you go around the world, like, no one's got iPhones. You, yeah. You go to... Go to, you know... I was telling someone... I, I was uh, in Vietnam uh, last year. Of course you were. <laughs> I did. Well, I'm 60, okay. 61. You're I've worked to hard my whole life. I love 61 to tra- now? Yes. Oh, right. And I love to travel. Uh, I, I love to travel. I absolutely and you're empty it. nesters. Now's yeah, the time. And empty nesters. And it's the time. And you don't have a grandkid yet. That- well, that's right. <laughs> Where your wife's like, no, bro, oh, I'm, no I'm, I'm watching can- the grandkid on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> um, but the, the number of 7-Elevens in Southeast Asia was just, it blew my mind. And I thought... There's more <laughs> to your point. Yes. Yeah, what is yeah, what yeah. is a US company versus a global company? I'm sh- yeah. Anyway, that's I why know I our see, investment team pays I know that's actually things. I was just and, thinking that. Yeah, 
if you it wouldn't be that hard to f- figure out from the S&P 500 what percentage revenue comes from overseas. That's right. And that's why our investment team um, does that. Yes. <laughs> Maybe just... they should be hosting this show. <laughs> Well, we do have Andy on periodically. That's he can true. spit it out. He knows the answer to everything. He does. Anyway, uh, if you want to join our program, we love taking calls. And to join us, it's 833-99-WORTH, or you can send us an email at questions hey, hey, Pietro, at moneymatters.com. I'm sorry. Pietro, can you turn the heat down in here? I'm I'm sweating. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not that the listeners care. Yeah. What do you think? This is the Joe Rogan podcast where you just, just talk about anything <laughs> midstream. And don't, that's well, kind of. No. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's take some calls. We're in California talking with John. John, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, hello there. Thanks hey, for taking my call. Um, a two-part question on uh, charitable giving accounts. I believe I understand that uh, you can distribute money from those accounts uh, over several years over to several different uh, entities, charitable entities, but I'm not clear on must you take the full amount of your uh, contribution to that account in one tax year in the same year that you... No. So let's clarify, uh, uh, how old are you? Uh, 70. And you're speaking of, of of a donor advised fund? Yeah. Okay. So, yes. and a lot of the big institutions have them. Uh, I think Fidelity was one of the first ones to come out. Fidelity's got a big one. Schwab's got a big one. Um, there's several of them out there. The, the, the wonderful thing about a donor advised fund is it's like a, it's almost like a private foundation, a family foundation without all the headaches. And, and, uh, and visibility. Yeah, and it's private because if you have a, a family foundation, others can see what's in there. They know what you're giving to, and you can get hounded uh, nonstop. Uh, and the, the nice thing about these, John, is you can contribute whenever you feel like it. So if you open up an account at one of the one of the major firms that has donor advice fund, uh, or there's other foundations that just have donor advice funds. And community foundations. And lots of community have, foundations. Don't, don't leave anyone out here. <laughs> so you can transfer appreciated securities there if you'd like you could some some of them allow you to transfer an appreciated uh, piece of real estate to them you can write them a check and you can contribute as often as you'd like and every time you can contribute it triggers uh, a potential tax deduction for you so it's a it creates a tax a taxable deduction for you and once it's in that account it can sit there forever there's right. no there's no minimum requirements. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I've named beneficiaries on mine, so that if my wife and I pass away, that our children can can distribute them. Not that there's tons of money in there, but and what is a good idea is for tax planning to decide how to bunch them. So many people will say, "I'm not giving. I give to the charities every year, but I'm only giving to my donor advised fund." Every three years or four years. Because the, the standard deduction is so high now. And particularly if you're, my guess is age 70, you don't have a mortgage. You don't have a tax deduction on the interest any longer. And we're capped at 10000 with the SALT deduction. So um, oftentimes people make, even quite generous people that make significant gifts throughout the year or at the end of the year, aren't able to take a itemized deduction. So a donor advice funds enable somebody to accelerate that. And you can. Okay, but I guess. The bottom line, though, is uh, I don't quite understand. Am I 
forced to take the full amount of whatever I donated or not donated, but whatever I contributed to the fund. Am I forced to take that full amount in one tax year? Yes. Yes. Well, no, because whatever, there's limitations. And if you exceed the limitations, is it 50 or 60%? I think it's 50%. It was 60% for a while, and then I think it went back to 50%. 50 or 60% of cash. 30% 30% for most appreciated assets. You can carry that forward to previous to future tax years. But in most okay. circumstances, for the average American, if you put money in the donor advised fund, you take the deduction in the year and that's gone. I mean, you have given that money away. You get the deduction. The only difference is now you get to direct it to what charities you want over as many years as you want. And I've got to tell you, once you've done this, you will not give to charities in any other way. You just won't. Um, and well, that, rarely you might. It's the school, your neighbor's kid is a hundred dollar okay. donation. Yeah, you're buying something. Okay. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, um, as an example, every one of my clients that I have introduced to this, they're like, "This is fabulous," because you just go online, you type in the tax ID number, it actually pulls up. The name of the charity. It takes about two minutes, and yeah, they use, issue a check, and it thing. it's and you can you can manage the money inside there. You can keep equities. You can keep it in cash. You can actually hire a financial advisor and pay them to manage yeah. inside uh, many of these donor advised funds. Okay, so let me clarify. Or let me just reiterate. Or okay, make sure I understand. So, if I want to donate a an appreciated uh, mutual fund. Yep, perfect. Um, there is a limitation on how much I can claim as a deduction in one year, yes, and then the rest of it carries it, forward to future That years. is That is correct. So it's 30% of your adjusted gross income, and anything above that gets carried forward to future years. Unappreciated uh, securities. And cash is either 50 or 60%. I forget the top of my head. And, and the last part of this question is, this uh, fund that I want to donate, uh, I purchased in the early 90s, and it has changed uh, administrations, companies a couple times, and they say they can only give me a cost basis. You don't need a cost basis. You, don't, it, you get to take a deduction of the fair market value. Perfect. It's, it, this is the perfect security to use. Okay, great. It that's, is the perfect security. It, it, you, you, if, if, because you... you You'll probably never find the cost basis. <laughs> That's right. The reality is. <laughs> and if you sold it, you just make some guess. And then you guess. And, and then at the IRS. Uh, make a re- you know, yeah. realistic guess. So this is the perfect security. You get the deduction. You don't have to worry about the cost basis. You put it in there. If you want to continue to own that security, just replicate it in your portfolio. You could. Maybe it might not be the best thing. You probably but if you want you probably to probably wouldn't buy it today, whatever it is you own. But it. if you want to continue to own that security, yeah. you could buy it back and you reset your cost basis on it. Okay. It's but, it's but perfect. It's full market value is what I'll get to. That's correct. The deduction for it. Limited to thirty percent of your adjusted gross income and it's carried forward to future years. Yeah. And okay. I, I'm telling you, once you do it, um and look, it's I I gave some money to charity uh, uh, two weeks ago, and I went on <laughs> at nine o'clock at night. I went on. My wife and I were talking about a dinner, and I'm like, I really like this charity. And at nine o'clock at night after dinner, I just went on my app, and boom, 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 and it was done. One last thing I just thought about. Uh, 
this has to be done by December 31st, or can you do it up to April 15th of the following? Yeah. Perfect yeah. question. Yeah, so I kinda, it's funny because I, I saw the question. I thought, well, we, you, it's brand new start of a new year. So whatever we do this year, it's for 2024 taxes, not 2023. It's not like an IRA contribution. Okay. So it's in the yeah. calendar All right. year. All right. Thank Th you. Thanks, no, Josh. That's no, why that's, I was a little surprised. Like the first call of the first show of the new year is about uh, charitable giving when I think a lot of people, it's like, but they're kind of slick. And if, as far as beneficiaries, um, like I've got our setup where I think it's about 90% go to pre-designated beneficiaries that I have structured over a period of years. And then like 10% goes to where my kids can direct it or something along those lines. I forget exactly. Yeah, you can put, you can put rules. And you can change it. Yeah, and you can change the allocation in it. It's really slick. It's really and the visibility. Um, it, it visibility is something. So it is. It sits in this fun. And look, this isn't just for people with tons of money. Oh no, I I do it for people with they they give away five thousand dollars a year. That's right. And I do it for two reasons. One, it just makes giving that much easier. And two, well, it's it, tax efficient. The it's government, super I mean, if tax you do it right, it's like the government gives you a match. That, that's right. It's it's super tax efficient. Yeah. And I've, I, I don't know if I've talked to many people who've regretted giving money to the right charities. Well, that's the key. <laughs> the right <laughs> charity. I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I sat on, I was on a board of a community foundation for a few years, and I sat in one of the board meetings. I said, I think half of these nonprofits should be killed. Okay. Didn't go over too well. No. But my point was, there's a lot of people with big hearts, right? And they, they, they're maybe not skilled in a... I have a heart for foster youth. My wife and I adopted two foster I have a heart for foster youth. But to, for me to suddenly, if I went and started this foster organization of some sort, my guess is I wouldn't do as good a job as someone who had spent their career understanding these issues and all, what, I mean, so there's lots of great organizations, lots of organizations where there's great heart, but not very effective. Uh, execution. But there's some phenomenal organizations out there as well. Yes. Enough about that. Let's uh, talk now with Don in Oregon. Don, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hey. Hi, Don. Um, so my uh, quick uh, summary of my question is I want to give 1,000 shares of stock to my brother who lives in Texas. Uh, the current value of the stock is uh, 500 a share, and the cost basis is $2.70. And I live in Oregon where the capital gains is 10%. So my question is: So the, the you paid two seventy for the stock, and it's at five hundred bucks a share now. Uh, yes. Wow. And how long yeah. have you owned it? Uh, it's about uh, those particular shares about fifteen years now. So, this is uh, a company, company given stock, stock grants, stock options. It, and is it publicly traded? It is. Okay. So my question is: What's the best way to give my brother a thousand shares of this? Uh, minimizing taxes is um, is he in a lower uh, marginal tax rate federal than you? Uh, not much, uh, about equivalent. Were some of these um, shares from a st an uh, ISO stock grants or non qualified stock grants? I stock options. 
Uh, they some of them were stock options. Um, yeah, I think those particular shares were stock options. Only reason some states have some some states have uh, rules on the capital gains. Well, they'll try to capture the whether and regardless of where someone resides when they're sold, they'll try to capture the capital gain that occurred while an employee was uh, residing and working in that particular state. But here we are. But we're also talking about transferring the shares, and I'm not a tax expert on on that area. I'm just um, this is this is pretty three <laughs> decades of experience in the space, <laughs> right? Um, but if you tra- if you so you if you give your brother a thousand shares, your cost right. base is going to carry over to him. So his cost base right. is, is your cost basis, and the capital gain is going to be based upon when he chooses to sell any or all of the stock. And so the, what you're looking right. for is the delta between uh, the tax rates in Oregon versus the tax rates in Texas, correct? Yes, yeah. Uh, that and also because it has such a low cost basis, um, does that fall within the, the $17,000 gift tax exemption? Well, that's a great uh, question. No, uh, um, the the cost basis doesn't matter what what it is. It's the it's the fair market value of the stock, but you can use up part of your lifetime exemption. Y- y- you know, people think about this, and I just because it, you pay, just because you exceed the annual gift limit, does not mean you've got a tax you have to pay. That's right. You use up. A, and what is the the lifetime limit right now? It's uh, fourteen million per individual, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, and then the annual limit for twenty twenty four is eighteen thousand. It is eighteen thousand. Um, I should know this. I was going over this with a client two days ago. Um, so if you exceed that, you just l- use up part of your $14 million and it may require you to file a gift tax return, but that's not a big deal. Okay. Right. It's, it's not. A, and by the way, are you married? No. Okay. Is your, is your brother married? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well then you could gift it to both him if and assuming his, you want to gift it to both of them. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay. Right. Be, it, remember gifted or inherited property is considered separate property. It's not community property to the receiving party. So okay. you could gift it to him and it can just be his money. Um, or you could gift it to both of them. Ah, right. Okay. Right. So, um, you know, and that might require some uh, introspection of how you feel about their marriage, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> oh, well, they're doing pretty good, I think. Yeah. So you, if, you might want to do it to both of them, but that's obviously your call. But it's a, it's a good idea. I don't know if I would check. I think you should probably check with an Oregon tax preparer to see. Because um, Oregon has its own uh, estate taxes. And right. gift taxes. Usually, most of the time, they. I would double check before I did it. I would. Yep. I would. I would. Yeah. I wouldn't call. I'm not two, an expert in Oregon tax I, law. Call two guys on the radio from California because we could talk about how to really tax things. <laughs> well, gee, I thought uh, you guys would do better. I guess another question, a sort of long shot, is: Is there a way to structure that as a loan of shares so that I could loan him these shares and then? say that he was going to pay me back at 5% per year rather yeah. than paying the huge tax. Well, what uh, would what would be the purpose of that? So he can get make the gifts over a number of years. Yeah, well, that would avoid... Um, well, I, maybe I don't understand the way this works, but if, I lo- if it was just cash, I could loan him 
loan him a bunch of cash. And then and forgive it prom- every year. And he could promise to pay it back at 6% over the and he'd have to make payments. I mean, it has to be a bond, <laughs> or or you or you forget. You, but what what's the what's the ballpark what, value of your estate? Uh, uh, well, about twenty four million dollars. Okay. okay, all right. <laughs> so, and uh, do you have heirs? I, not direct heirs. I've got um, essentially my nieces and nephews. And how old are you, Don? Sixty two. Okay, yeah, so your biggest issue you have a very, very large estate planning uh, issue. It's a, it's a good issue. Yeah, it's, it's a better it, issue than trying to figure out how you're going to make your monthly income needs. Yes, yes. You, you need to sit down with... Uh, this, is one, this is just one potential tool. Uh, this isn't where I'd start. This okay. is not where I'd start. I mean, because, this might be oh, this might be the right oh, thing to do in seri- in, in conjunction in, with in some conjunction other with some other things, right? This is actually an issue of necessity. I need uh, my brother needs the cash. Okay, uh, okay. So well, I'm well, trying to trying to figure out a way to get him some of this without. Okay, well, the, well, then do that. And what's the idea of doing the loan then? You're it. it if he does not well, making the, if he's not making the payment, then. Well, it'd be questioned if this is an actual loan or if this was. But then every year the you could right. forgive a portion of yeah. that. But what's the point of that? Well, I guess that's just to avoid the the taxes. Um, well, well, it's just upsetting <laughs> that the government takes like thirty percent. If I want to give him some of my wealth, the government's going to take thirty percent of it. Which... Well, no, only when you pass. And actually, the state of Oregon takes some as well. Um, and I'm not an expert yeah, in Oregon. Uh, but so you, if the if you pass away today. The right. the exclusion amount is about fourteen million dollars, so the okay. first fourteen million is free of estate taxes. Right. Anything above that that you let's say you gave to a charity is not subject to any estate taxes. If you if you have no children, right. You know, most people but, at your size of estate would have some chunk go to a, a charity as, in addition to extended family. Right. But you that's have to your have a charitable count, like you just talked about. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you can do so. The idea, so, so the idea is to get the money out of the estate to allow it to grow in someone else's name. Yes, I see. Right, okay. and so because this twenty-four or <laughs> might be thirty-four. Yes, right. And so Seven, I assume I now. assume that you're not 44. living. I, I assume that you're not living on five percent or six percent or even ten percent of. Uh, this asset a year. You're not. Are, you're not spending two million dollars a year to support yourself. Uh, no, no. Uh, my, um, my guess is it, it, my guess is you're not flying around in private jets and and staying at the Ritz Carlton. Fair statement. No, I'm I'm still trying to uh, trying to deal with the fact that I have this much money. You okay. Know? <laughs> yeah. I just sort of crept up on me and. But you do. But you do. I still go to the store like and say, oh well. Uh, Five dollars for a box of cereal. I get you. I still do. <laughs> you show me someone that doesn't care about money, and I'll show you someone that doesn't have any. Um, right. I so, teach my kids the same thing. Look, when you're going to go eat tomato sauce, tomato sauce, tomato sauce. Like, look at the price difference. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so you you need to start at at ground zero, and say I've got twenty four million dollars. Um, how much money do I think you're going to spend in your lifetime? And you want to get a large portion of this out of your estate. Um, oh, 
True. Right? You want to, and you can do it. If you structure, if you structure this correctly, you can. Depending on how much you want to give to your individuals, because you can give fourteen million dollars to family members. Anything above that, if you gave to charity, there's no estate taxes. And and you could give it to them in under the, current. Re- and limits. you and, and by the way, this stuff expires in end of the, 20, 2025. End of twenty five. So what do you mean? What do you mean expires? It means that fourteen million dollars will go up in twenty twenty five again, based on inflation. Yes. Or down. Um, but then after oh. that, it sunsets, which means that uh, your elected leaders are going to decide how much you get to pass without taxation uh, right. to your heirs. And by the way, this is the largest number it's been in the 30 years that I've been in the industry. It was 600,000 at one 90s. point in time, right? For a long time. So, so if you were sitting in my office, I'd say, okay, let's just stop everything. <laughs> let's just... Let's let's start at ground zero. You've got twenty four million dollars. What is the objective with this? And you can set it up. And you mentioned your your nieces. You can set up an irrevocable trust where it moves out of your state, but doesn't go to them necessarily immediately. It could go to them in chunks of time. It can go to them when they're forty. It could go to them, it could go to you know generation skipping trust. It can do all sorts of things. Wait, you and just it, and it's whatever you want to do. If you want to be one of those kind of eccentric people that nobody knows they have any money and they pass away and they leave the local library twenty four million dollars, you can do that. But my experience with people is it there's there can be some joy too in in making some transfers while you're still alive. But you just called us yeah. and asked us to, to what kind of window should I put on a house that's not built yet. But if if this is prompted because your brother has a financial need, you want to help them, give it to him. Right. Give him the shares. Give him the shares. It, like okay. right right away, and then go through the process. Through the process of estate, estate planning. planning. Estate planning. Estate uh, planning, okay. and it's advanced estate planning. And you're going to scratch a check to an attorney for twenty five thousand, thirty thousand dollars, and financial. Well, advice. maybe not. If his goal is is, does that answer your question, Don? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it does. Yeah, wait, 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 Scott. Wait, wait a second here. I was going to continue the conversation after. So I mean, my point is this: there's a the exemption is fourteen million dollars currently right. today. If and the majority of, of older Americans are are married, so that's and if one passes away, you can preserve that. So it's it's roughly twenty eight million dollars. There's a lot of people with estates larger than that that say. I don't want to leave my kids more than $28 million. So their estate plan is not necessarily that complicated. That's where they're writing a check for $25 million. If somebody, on the other hand, let's say someone has a business, family business, that's worth $100 million. It's second generation. They want to keep it for third and fourth generation. Then it could become very complex, and the check might be much larger than twenty-five grand to an attorney. Uh, I stand corrected, Mr. Hansen. Well, thank you. <laughs> My point being is he, he, he's the gentleman that just said that he goes to the grocery store and says, I'm not going to pay $5 You're warning for that. Him. I'm warning well, him. Then and you'll get what you pay for. You're, and you, and you right. want to go through the process and don't look for the cheapest attorney. Because you can save yeah, the right kind of planning. And there might be, you might, uh, Don, you might have a piece of asset, uh, something today that has a large gain. This is easy when any time of security because it, doesn't bug you at all, but you might have a piece of property or a rental or something that's been a kind of a pain and 
might be an opportunity with a charitable remainder trust or something like that in conjunction with a variety of other things. Uh, I do have a question for you. Of your net worth, how much is comprised of this individual stock? Yeah, well, there's the problem. It's about $20 million. Okay, so there is, a, there is a solution for you with a good financial advisor, which is a pooled stock fund. A pooled stock fund. Yep. Right. It's a pool. Transferred in. You transfer it in, and it's a collection of stocks that other people just like you have the same problem. And so you transfer it into this pooled stock, and you get diversification around that particular holding because it's pooled with all these other different types of Uh, stocks. Pooled. Okay. It's a pooled P O O L E D, and it goes by a number of different names. Um, And we use it. Uh, for uh, wealthy clients, so, you, you, you know, I kind of describe our firm as kind of like the Marriott of financial advisors. We work with okay. clients that have two hundred and fifty thousand, and we work with clients that have the Marriott has the Ritz Carlton, and they have I don't know a what courtyard by Marriott, right? <laughs> okay, uh, and, and and that's kind of I mean we have these across the board. And so if you were to come into our office, we'd give you the most, and a good firm would, anyone that had any sort of size, the most experienced advisors and working with people with your net worth and this all the solutions. This now became problem number one for me, not it the did. estate planning, yes. It did. That's why I suspected that's where most of the net worth was tied up. So the, right. you've got all kinds you don't of- want to, You don't want to just say, well, I want to diversify, so I'm going to sell $15 million of the stock. And take the capital gain. Yeah, there's so many different ways you could do it. And I'd start with um, the pooled stock. So you need... And it might be a combination of pooled stock, might be some sale, and it might be some to a charitable remainder trust or something like that. That's right. That's right. That's right. You've got some work to do. Um, Are you retired? I just retired in July. You got something to do now. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, by the way. Um, I'm going to go like surfing or, you know... Oh, the Caribbean, you know what you you you, you can't you, stick your head look you've got so 20 million dollars in there my guess is four million dollars outside of that is enough to maintain your lifestyle you could right. just be an ostrich stick your head in the sand and ignore it but you have an opportunity it, it, it's obviously it's 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 work for you but you have an opportunity to do a lot of good with this that's right and dawn yeah. um do you fly first class when you fly I do now. Okay, Thank good. you. <laughs> Thank you. Do you stay in the nicest hotels when you travel? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Okay, you should always. I don't know. I stay in the nicest hotel. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. But I. Anyway, <laughs> okay. You get my point. Yeah. All right. You've got some work to do. I do. Yeah. Uh, I guess one final question then is: most of this stock is in a Schwab account. Yep. Yep. And. You know, with that much, they offer like premium advisors. Is that the type of person I should talk to or should I talk so to? So Schwab, so here's what Schwab will do. They, so they, they have a list of advisors that have signed up with Schwab that will uh, help with clients and then they'll pay Schwab a fee for it. So what so, that means, explain, like go dig into it, yeah. Scott, a little bit. So Schwab says, look, Don is a client. He's going to be a good client. It's, it's, because I'm not going to say what Schwab's great at or not great at, but typically at large accounts, when it gets complex, they'll refer to independent advisory firms. Like ourselves. Like ourselves. Uh, okay. And when that happens, the independent advisory firm has to pay Schwab a fee. So a portion of the fee that you pay the advisor, a portion of that goes to Schwab. It's it's quite lucrative for Schwab. Okay. Uh, and and other we're not saying it's it. good or bad. But at this so size of state, 
if you found somebody on your own, you could probably negotiate a better rate. Well, not probably. You can ne negotiate a better rate than an advisor who has to pay Schwab on uh, that. A, a referral okay. fee. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. All right. You got some work to do. Congrats. Yeah, that's a good problem to have. Yes, yes. And the rest of the <laughs> listeners are like, is this a problem? It is. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry for being such a, it seems, you know, it's hard to tell people that I've got that much money, you know, I, I, almost nobody knows that. So. That's, that. Well, my guess, so the company was probably a smaller company when you started there. Is that right? Uh, it was, it, well. No. Okay. Well. <laughs> uh, it was fairly big, but it's, it's way bigger now. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You got, yeah, you've got some work to do and look, you know, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. And it's, if all the problems in the world, I think this would be one of the best ones, but it doesn't uh, mean you could ignore it. Right. Okay. All right. Yep. I appreciate well the call. Done. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You know, like just on a side note on the importance of like, Finding quality advice. You brought up an estate attorney that someone, someone who, when, as your estate gets larger or more complex, and this the reason why Don's has become complex is because he's highly concentrated in one particular company, which at this stage, like, and no company stays at the top forever. We all know that. Diversification is wise as we get, get older and accumulate assets, and there's so many different tools available to them. But they all take the right kind of planning, and but I remember Pat years ago, um, we're, our office is he headquartered in Folsom, California, outside of Sacramento, where Johnny Cash made famous Folsom. There's the we have the Johnny Cash Bridge. There's everything's Johnny Cash around <laughs> around Folsom. So one claim to fame, <laughs> he made a stop through for 12, 24 hours, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and and. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so um, this was years ago, Pat. It, in, in, so Intel has a large, or they did have a large office in Folsom. Very large. Like in the um, late 80s, they decided to move out of the Bay Area and into the Sacramento region, which, which is what was happening at the time. Now all these companies just leave in California entirely. It's like, <laughs> if we're going to move, we're out of the state. And that's why we, they're all leaving California. But Intel employed a, a bunch of people. And I remember meeting with an individual. He was one of the s newer employees at Intel. And he had Intel stock about the same as this last caller. This was 20-some years ago. And he, he came in. He wanted a consultation. We talked about a variety of things. Uh, he talked with the C our CPA that was in the office, talked with him about a variety of things, and never chose to hire either one of us. He called like four years later. He had moved to Nevada. And sold some of his Intel stock. He probably just sold willy-nilly without talking to advice, my guess. Okay. Because um, he was trying to be frugal with his finances. And what had happened is he had, um, when he had sold some stock, the state of California, even though he was in Nevada, said, hey, you owe us some capital gain because this was a stock option that accumulated in value while you were working. It was a deferred company, however California structured it. And California wanted not only the tax but a fee, a, a penalty, and interest for not paying the tax when he should. So he calls me, tells me this, and says, hey, do you remember us having a conversation about this? Do we ever talk about it? Uh, do, I, do we have any notes from our meeting? And I'm like, well, there's not a lot you can <laughs> Like, 
you never engaged with us. <laughs> right. There's no one. And had he engaged with whether it was our firm, CPA firm, another firm, he could have said, look, I engaged in professional advice. I didn't get this advice from this professional. Therefore, I shouldn't have to pay the, the penalties. I'll have to pay the tax. But not it was an honest mistake. Correct. And it was a, it was guided. The, the decision was guided by professional advice. Correct. Pennywise, pound foolish on that. And I'm bringing that up just because. What, but, but think what happened to that Intel stock if he had held on to it since then compared to today. What do you mean? It was, I don't know. what I forget when he sold it. Intel oh. hasn't. I don't think it's done all terribly well in the last. That's my point. Yeah, correct. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was, it, it, the, the best decision may have been oh. to put it into a pooled asset fund. In I mean, the last time I looked at Intel, it was doing really poorly. The stock. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't follow Intel. Okay. I'm not in it. But um, my, that was just my whole point on that is, look, if you've got a few assets saved, it makes sense to work with somebody or at least have a, a conversation and talk about potential opportunities you have. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that's what happened to this guy uh, years ago. So anyway, um, let's talk to Jeff in Georgia. Jeff, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hey, guys. How are you all? Wonderful. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. So I have uh, two questions. Um, one is, okay, so you guys often talk about annuities and, and say, you know, don't do annuities and all that. And I have a small annuity. It has like 120000 in it. But I'm just curious. like what For many people, that wouldn't be a small annuity, by the way, but okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I have an annuity with 120000 in it. What is it that is so negative that you guys don't like? So does this annuity sit inside of a 403B or a 401K or an IRA account, or no. is it outside? So it's called a non-qualified annuity. Okay. So and is it a fixed annuity, a variable, or an equity index annuity? Oh goodness! See, I didn't read enough to uh, to remember. So that what, part. what? What is? What is it? How does? How does it work for you? Put in money, and then where's the money go? So I, I put in money in the beginning, and I, I don't add anything to it, and um, I am guaranteed the upside of the market, but the downside has a floor. That's right. Okay. So you're in what's called an equity index annuity, which is pegged to okay. a underlying index of some sort. And, yeah. and if you leave, how long is, do you have to leave your money before there's no surrender charges? I think it was five years, if I remember right. Probably been in there too. Maybe it was 10 years. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. My guess is probably 10 because usually there's seven okay. to 10. Seven to 10 15 years. Something. So, okay. he, so here's the idea behind this. The reason you purchased this annuity was is you like that feature of, oh, I get to participate in the upside of the market. Oh, and by the way, there's no downside in the market. That's what the pitch, the sales pitch was, correct? Yes, you can sell good. it. That's exactly what they say. All right. So here's the the problem with this. To, to most of these indexes, these don't participate in any dividends. In Well, there's a, there's a number of different restrictions. They're all different, but you'll, you never get 100% of the upside. They're capped or you get a percentage of the upside. So even in a... That's correct. Right, so... And here's kind of, if you're going to tie your money up for 10 years, the statistical probability of having a loss in the broad stock market over 10 years is astronomically small. Ah. Uh. And so, <laughs> so time, right? We all talk, all us advisors talk about 
time. Like the longer you have, the more fluctuations you could have. So the the, the, the our and, reasoning behind this is first of all, most people don't understand what they're buying. And by the way, if you wanted this technique, you could replicate it outside of an annuity. They they use financial instruments that are available to everyone else in the world to actually do what they do, right? They use options. They take invested you buy CDs fixed income. that have these structured CDs that'll do the similar kind of concept. So so the the point being is what if you want that sort of thing, why are you doing it inside of an annuity? But that isn't that isn't the point. The point is, look, if I'm able to ride a 10-year market cycle, why am I paying for insurance that is going to actually limit how much money I can make? Why don't I just live with the risk itself or build a portfolio that's 60% or 70% equities and 30% bonds that is much less expensive and, by the way, much more tax efficient? Because capital gains rates are lower than ordinary income tax rates. Any annuity yeah. comes paid out at ordinary income tax. So that delta alone- And you can't transfer it to a family member in a lower tax bracket. Right? You lose all that. You can't gift it. I guess you could gift it. Um, someone would take it. But it loses a lot of the tax benefits. Putting it inside of this structure, you lose a lot of the tax benefits of, of capital gains- and how they're recognized. So and step up basis of, at death. And step up basis at death, right? So if okay. you if you if you did a Ben Franklin, you know, pros and cons next to each other and you looked at it and then you looked at the cost, you'd say, "Okay, well why am I doing this?" Well, I'm doing it mostly because it makes me feel better about the risk that I'm taking with my dollars. Okay. All right, that answers my first question thoroughly. That's I understand okay. now. And there are times um, when annuities make I'm we're not big fans of what this sort of annuity is is equity index annuity. Um, there and some of these twenty years ago, some there was a lot of annuity products that were frankly mispriced. The actuaries didn't do doing a decent job. There's some older annuities that were pretty look, good. Look, look but, it, it, Jeff, if you had talked to us twenty years ago, they had these guaranteed minimum income benefit riders on these things that guaranteed really like six percent growth per year we we used them i mean i'm not okay. ashamed to admit that but they don't they don't exist anymore the insurance companies all got slapped through the particularly through the financial crisis oh, oh, uh, yeah the ones i use the insurance companies are trying to buy them back at more than face value that's for right. my clients oh, yeah, yeah. they're saying oh if you if this thing's worth 200 we'll give you two hundred and forty thousand dollars if you surrender it. that's right wow. okay Right, but they were misplaced. So we're not, we're not like annuities. Always are bad. There are places for them. We're not a big fan of this particular okay. guy. So next, next question for us. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, somebody called in and they said that they were able to put money into a like post tax um, contributions into their four hundred one k, and that Fidelity would convert them into a Roth. Yeah. And so I have that exact same situation. Um, whenever I'm trying to help anybody understand like it doesn't work in my company i there's three questions do, do does your company allow post-tax deductions into your 401k does your company have a roth 401k and do they allow end plan conversions and if all three of those things are true and fidelity does it, i don't know if they do it for everybody but they no, every plan's different and well okay. then the fourth yeah. thing if they don't do an in plan uh conversion do they allow for uh uh and what do they exactly call those things partial rollover yeah partial withdrawal 
in serv- okay. an in-service distribution. An in-service distribution. Where someone can then move it to a, their own Roth IRA. So what, what changed in the last couple of years was I used to call them like every month and say, hey, can you convert all of my stuff from, from my uh, traditional 401k to my Roth, my, my post-tax stuff? Yes. And, um, and something along the way changed, and they said, hey, we can just automate this. It'll do it every time that we see money in the account. It'll just get rolled over into your Roth. So there'll be no growth. So you'll pay no tax. I'm okay. Like, okay. That's a much better deal. Of course. Yes, yes, um, yes. So – I just want to make sure that I'm not missing anything in this no. because it seems too good it's to be true. A, it's so. hilarious. It's one of these things where the, the Congress, they, they in their wisdom, they they put all these laws in place, and you know, and, and 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 someone just looks at this and say, "Wait a minute, we want to go from A to B. You're not allowed to go to A to B, but if you go from A to Z to Q to P, then you can go to B, and that's all legal, yeah. which is what this is." Okay, because it, it seems to me like I can. These are post-tax deductions. So I, my tax rate has already been applied to whatever money is going in there. If I take it out from my paycheck and give it to my broker and he he grows it however he grows it, I'm going to get taxed on – Oh, yeah, Max, this out first. No, oh, you're hard. right, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant. It, you, okay. You, and, and by the way, you hit those three things and Scott added it to the fourth. It it People are listening to this and they're going to go back to their employer and they're going to go, nah, not allowed. <laughs> Most employers don't allow it. Most employers don't allow it. Okay. And your coworkers Fine. are lucky to have you there to actually uh, be an advocate. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I tell everybody I know. And well, and but the here's the, always... you know what, Jeff, the, like the majority of Americans aren't even at the maximum anyway. And the fact yeah, that you can save, doesn't make sense. right. And, but, but what, and just because you might have a colleague that their income level is not necessarily at a point where they can sub, roughly $70,000 into the retirement account, but they might have other assets and it might make sense for them to take their pay, you know, have those contributions very large for a few years and live off some other dollars, which is very hard for people to understand. But it's just like taking a chunk of cash that you've got with your broker, let's say, and sticking it into the Roth. By spending down other assets outside of the plan. Quite powerful. Every time I explain this at work, I get two objections. The first one is I make too much money for a Roth. Right. I'm, and I'm like, no. So we have to work through that. that This is in the 401k. And then the second one is um, they think they can only put the 21,000 or whatever in the yes. 401k. Yes. And I'm like, no, those, both of those are. Missed. There was those an article true. this week. I think it might have been the Wall Street Journal. Um, I think it might have been the Wall Street Journal on this very thing. Yeah. But it's, if you. That's great. Yeah. It's good. If you Google that, I think um, I don't know if it. Was on Friday's article, Friday's paper, or Thursday's paper, but I read, I I saw an article this week on it, and I it's I hadn't seen one in in the general public, uh, you know, kind of it was a broad publication. Yeah. It might have been the Journal or. Okay, excellent. <laughs> so, um, I, I'll look for that article in the in the Journal. I'll look in the Wall Street Journal see if it's there. Um, it would just be interesting to see another take on what's yeah, happening. But then you can show your time, friends they're they're idiots. Right. Um, this time last year. It was. I was all concerned because Congress was identifying this as something they wanted to close the loop on, but it didn't happen, thankfully. Um, and so everyone gets to still enjoy it for as long as it lasts. That's right. That's right. And it's I mean, a- they just passed this Retirement 2.0 Act. That there's, there's still a lot, with with increasing the required age for requirement minimum distributions, there's still a ton of questions out there that Congress needs to uh, provide some more clarity, and the IRS needs to provide some more clarity. Yes, 
But yeah, for sure. Anyway, but this could, um, yeah, this probably won't last forever because the only ones who benefit from this, according to rich people. Well, that's true. It is true. Of course it's true. (laughs) Rich people benefit. So did you have any other questions for us? Whether they're rich just because they just somehow just, it was manna from heaven or they applied themselves to two different things. Okay, well, um, <laughs> that's a different show. <laughs> well, um, I feel like I've taken a ton of time. Oh, no, no. If you have any other questions, we got, we're, we're okay. Okay. Um, required minimum distributions. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm only 50. That's way off in the distance for me. Um, I know that there's, a, like, Roth doesn't, doesn't require that. Um, and I am, you know, clearly contributing to both traditional and Roth. Um, what do I need to plan for in regards to that? Like, how is that going to affect me when I'm 72? Okay. So it's actually when you actually quit working in between the okay. ages of required minimum distribution and your last paycheck from work is where most of that planning takes place, whether you should be doing more Roth conversions or not, but that's where most of it will take place. And there's not much you can do now. Okay. Well, then I got, I will not worry about it right now. Yeah, I wouldn't worry. But when you're doing planning, uh, don't plan on Social Security being there for you, by the way. (laughs) You're 50? Uh, I know. You're 50? There was a great article either in the New York Times or Wall Street Journals. This, Oh, no, it was in one of the financial publications. How more and more advisors with clients under the age of 55 are not um, even working into financial plans, social security being paid out for anyone of any substantial net worth at all or medium net worth. And look, I've been doing this a long time. I remember have people would say, I don't want to plan on it. I'd say, well, I think it's going to years ago. I think it'll be there for you. We can, well, let's, let's make sure that you, you're fine without it. But I, I think it'll be there for you. I have, I don't say that today. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, just, every change that they've made has not helped um, you the know, people who contribute the, the most to it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's almost like it's a tax. <laughs> it is, of course. <laughs> All righty. Appreciate the call. Thanks. Uh, guys. Keep up Thanks, the good Jeff. work. Yeah. You know, Scott, I, I want to spend a minute. You're talking about tax code. You do this, you do that, you do this. So my daughter uh, was a school teacher and she, uh, the, the school district she worked for paid into a pension. And so um, she quit her job after three years to go to law school. And so I said to her, you know, you have a, um, a pension a money set aside for you for your retirement that the school district has put money into. And she said, well, where, where is it? I said, well, we'll go to the website and we will be able to find it. And it took us a few minutes to actually find the, the current value of it today. So we go to the website, we're poked all over the place. And she's like, where would it be? I said, I know it's in here somewhere. I said, it's the cash value of your uh, pension. So it's called a deferred deferred vested pension. So she, we find it, it's $14,000. And she says, well, what, what do we do now? And I said, well, now we're going to convert it to a Roth IRA. And she said, well, I already have a Roth IRA. I'm just going to move it over to the Roth IRA. And I said, oh, it doesn't really work like that. <laughs> well, it's, again, it's, you can't go to A to B, but if you go from A to Z to Q to P, then you can go to B. And she's like, well, why not? And I said, well, I don't know why. And she's like, well, why don't you, Dad? Isn't that what you do? And I'm like, yes. Um, But we're going to open up an IRA, and then once it's in the IRA, we're going to convert it to a Roth IRA the next day. And she's like, well, this is just kind of silly, isn't it? 
Yes. Like, yes. A lot of those things are. <laughs> yes. So. Hey, appreciate everyone being with us today. Uh, we've got uh, a couple things. One, I think, Pat, you'd mentioned to review our podcast, which we'd greatly appreciate it. But secondly, we've got some time uh, set aside just to be in the studio to take calls. So if you've got a question for us on Monday, January 15th, which is um, MLK Day, we are going to be in the studio from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific time taking questions. Okay, so 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific time, um, you can call 833-99-WORTH, or if you want to schedule a time ahead of time, just send us an email, questions at moneymatters.com. Questions at moneymatters.com. We'll schedule a time again Monday, February 15th. We'll take your call. And by the way, this podcast, there were some pretty sophisticated questions asked that went in pretty in-depth. Um, if you're new to this podcast, that's not all our questions. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> right? So that is not all our questions. So you, if you have a question about should I pay down my mortgage or you know, should I buy life insurance or even the most <laughs> <Sorry>. basic, right? <laughs> yeah. We had three, I think we had three calls. Uh, two were, how, what do I give away? Is my, I, my state's so large. How do I maximize from a, you know, yeah, and, and then and, and then, then, then we have a fifty-year-old that is like super saver. Yeah, right. How do I save more? So if you teach an, my friends to save more, if you're an average American <laughs> and just want to know how to allocate your four hundred one k or whether you should make a Roth contribution, make the call. Yeah. We're, we, we live on both sides of the spectrum. So, this program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.